0: fm to get started marvel tv weekly is back and we've got a special guest in studio with us alan ling of genesis 2 plus some exclusive information from the screenwriters of avengers endgame all that and more avengers endgame is not the name of the show marvel tv weekly starts now
1: i'm maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to after buzz tv the espn of tv talk now let the buzz begin
0: Hey, it's been a little while. Sometimes you have to uh, kick the cobwebs. Welcome to Marvel TV Weekly. I'm Christian Blatt, uh, joined, as I mentioned at the top of the show, in studio by Alan Ling. Alan, thanks for making the time to come by.
1: Christian, thanks for having me here.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I want to talk, want to spend plenty of time talking about Genesis 2, but In reading your bio, uh, the thing that jumped out at me right away was just how intertwined comic books are in your backstory. There were two things that that really caught my attention. So the first was, you were bribed by your mother to behave with comic books.
1: Absolutely. I think that's the best bribery a kid can
0: get. Yeah. I, uh, unfortunately, when I was fairly young, I had to get allergy shots every week, and it was awful. (laughs) Uh, So my mom would buy me a comic book after everyone. I already liked comics, so it was just like, oh, more. More comics, this is great, but it was like, all right, I guess I'm gonna sit here and then, uh, you know, so that it, it that was always very important to me. Uh, but you, uh, according to your bio, you actually learned to read English by reading comics.
1: That is correct. My first language, I'm actually an ESL person, <laughs> my first language was Mandarin, so I'm, okay. I was Chinese descent, but uh, yeah, try to speak Mandarin yet in a uh, school, it's kind of difficult when you're in this country, so I right, learned, I learned how to read basically reading comic books
0: Right, now, uh, like I was saying that I obviously was reading comics when I was younger, Uh, probably about the age of seven I started actually reading physical comic books, before that I I loved some of the characters from TV Uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends and uh, the super friends Maybe neither one of those has held up as well as some other things, but I love those characters. Oh, and especially the Adam West Batman, which in a way is better the older you get. Uh, But what were some of the characters, you know, regardless of which branding they were associated with, who stood out to you the most? Actually, I really like the Hulk. Okay. Because,
1: uh, you know, the guy, when he gets pissed off, he just turns into this green rage monster. And I think, you know, uh, to be able to just. Turn into sort some outrageous, strong beast and be able to destroy everything when you're upset. Probably kind of uh, you know appealing to a young kid,
0: right? Yeah, just because it's like all the things you're told not to be, and all the things that Bruce Banner knows that he shouldn't be. It's like yeah, but you know I can't be helped. You know the the live action Hulk. TV series from the 70s. Yes. There's a lot of things about it that maybe maybe don't work because he doesn't really fight supervillains. He just goes from town to town. <laughs> but I always liked Bill Bixby, Bixby, Bixby yeah. as, I guess they called him David Banner, but as Bruce Banner. And it was in the opening of every show and he was just like, don't make me angry. Yep. You won't like me when I'm angry. And just that idea of like, yeah, there's all this rage beneath the surface that everybody Absolutely. has. Yeah. But what happens if you do that and then you, know, you turn into into Lou Ferrigno with green spray paint. And uh, I i always thought that was a fascinating character. I think when I was a little kid, I maybe found the Hulk a little bit scary, you know, specifically the the TV version. But uh, fortunately, as maybe a lot of people of the same age remember, uh, Mr. Rogers went to go visit Lou Ferrigno on set so that we all knew. He's like, no, he's just a guy. Yes, and yeah. then they make him look scary, you yeah. know? So I'm like, all right, I'm still a little scared of him. But uh, so... You liked the Hulk. Um, who do you have like other characters or other specific storylines that stick with you all these years later, or was it just more you just kind of read everything as a kid and it didn't it didn't dwell with you?
1: I like Spider Man because he was a uh, he's just this young guy who had powers, but he you know he's just trying to help people. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know he's got a sense of humor throughout the entire series. He's always funny and poking fun yeah. at people and. You know, his his is he's he was a young photographer, that employer and always messing with people. Yeah,
0: great. no no matter how outlandish the situations were, and the I think they've done a good job conveying that in the current iteration played by Tom Holland. He ends up in space and he's like he's like, <laughs> he's, he's like he doesn't know why he's in space, yeah. but he's still Spider Man. You know, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't change. He was always my favorite. One of my one of the things I always liked the most about Peter Parker, this was from the comics, was it was just little things like he, Yeah, he worked for the Daily Bugle, he took pictures, but he didn't really make a lot of money, you know, and he, he struggled to pay the rent. And there, there was uh, this – it happened during Secret Wars 2. He ended up with a, with a notebook that was turned completely into gold, <laughs> solid gold. And he saved it. And then a few months later, he's like, I don't know how to pay the rent. So he goes to sell the notebook, which who knows what that much gold is worth. And they ask what he wants for it. And he says like, I don't know, $567.43, whatever his rent is. <laughs> like he didn't ask for like ten grand. He's like, no, I just need to cover my rent. And to me, that says a lot about who Peter Parker was is and uh that's why i've i've always really liked that character uh, did you uh, stick around reading you know, some of the mainstream titles, whether they be Marvel and DC? Or at some point, do you start to find maybe more independent fare out there?
1: Yeah, as I got older, your tastes changed. Uh-huh. So I started to go with a lot of Dark Horse. Sure. Oh, yeah, Dark Horse. Yeah, that's a great and stuff. And you know, when you're your teenager, you start buying heavy metal.
0: Oh, of course. Because of the yeah. nudity. <laughs> yeah, they did have the nudity. And the, the heavy metal movie was great, the, yeah, the animated uh, movie. One of my
1: favorite artists is Richard Corbin. Okay. And he's, he's just an amazing guy and I have some have collected some of his artwork and now it's about a thousand percent more than it was when I bought it back you know 17 years sure, ago yeah yeah and so um you know I still collect original comic book art now my artists are ones who, who when they're not doing digital art they give me or they I buy yeah their original artwork they do for me because it helps them too so I have I collect all the artwork that we do for the comic well
0: books. that's got to be cool too because it's like the stories that you came up with you actually yeah. have the original artwork yes. and that's uh, just to sort of jump ahead for a moment. How much of what's produced for Genesis 2 is traditional you know, ink on paper versus being digital? Is, is there a mixture? Is it, uh, is it situational? How does that work?
1: Situational. Um, I think uh, the, for the first four chapters of Genesis, there's a lot of mixture between some of the old sc- older school artists yeah. who do pen and ink and then they scan everything and then we digitize and then we didn't color in digital and the last two issues like chapter 5 and 6 are pure digital now we do okay. we because there's we have to go faster
0: yeah, so. and the you know sort of my limited understanding from the creative side is that a lot of things that they used to do are actually done digitally now, like the the coloring and the lettering. Think, yeah. you know, and, and that I was always impressed by, especially if it were like an X Men title with a lot of dialogue, just how small those letterers would be able to write. <laughs> yeah, like I don't I don't know how they do it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I referenced the the sort of the Marvel universe. Have you? have you been able to have you kept up with the movies and TV shows at all, sort of uh, what they've done? Just for me I I find it really impressive what Marvel Studios has done without some of their most popular characters. Sure, they were able to kind of reach a deal with Spider-Man, but the first like eight years, Spider-Man wasn't involved the X-Men are going to come back at some point but they did this with a lot of really second tier characters like iron man who i knew but i think a lot of people didn't and i never would have expected that a daredevil tv show would be one of the best tv shows for uh, superhero characters so what have you been able to see you know in, from the marvel side tv and movies uh, over the recent years i
1: really enjoyed agents of shield right
0: i am a huge fan of I agents really of shield i really enjoy yeah.
1: it because and again some of the characters it's it's more real yeah. they they spend more time on the characters than too much cgi right and sometimes you know it's it's nice to have the magic Fighting and the crowd scenes, and but I really appreciate storytelling, and so that's I was I enjoyed the whole Shield thing and they're developing the characters and the interactions. So yeah, yeah.
0: Um, let's get back to uh, your backstory because uh, I like that you. You like comics so much you actually drew for your uh, junior high school newspaper and won art contests which is impressive because I took art lessons I I drew my own comics myself I was not good so you know it was like I I did it it was out of passion but I I, I sort of always had a sense like I don't know how good these are so I I would write (laughs) comics I would actually like write out stories for myself and I don't know that anybody's ever seen them (laughs) I don't have them anymore so that'll tell you something but uh, so what sort of uh, thing would you do? Was it more like comic strips or what sort of things would you do when you're do a comic
1: strip and some political cartoons. Sure. And the the bit of a me, censored me. of me little bit of a little bit of a little bit of we little bit of a little bit of a of of what we are providing for our audience. Yeah. I mean, I did not dummy down. We had this one, Chapter 5 here. Um, I did not dummy it down. There's a lot of, you know, someone's got their legs and arm blown off, and I showed the rehabilitation part of it because I'm right. a physical therapist also. I had to rehabilitate people who, you know, were in bad motorcycle accidents and lost an arm, lost a leg, burned. Yeah. I rehabbed those people. So I put some of that into, um, into this and showed the timeline. It took months, a year, I think people don't get better right away between a commercial break,
0: right? Yeah, and I think that uh, I think that's important to actually show some of uh, some of that process. So, uh, and I think that what I always liked about the comic books that I read was that you know, look, they were of course a little bit G-rated, but I always felt <laughs> like they weren't talking down to me as a kid. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. And, you know, there are sort of famous incidences from Marvel history where there was a Spider-Man storyline where his best friend Harry Osborn started taking pills. And the Comics yeah. Code Authority was like, no, you can't tell those stories. Yeah. And Stanley yeah. was like, well, we need to tell those stories. So they, they're like three of the only Spider-Man comics at that time that didn't have the little approved by the Comics Code Authority. Wow. So that's like, I think, things that, you know, I think this is before parents were looking for, like, warning labels on CDs. <laughs> but it just to, to feel that strongly about it... I think that, you know, there's – to some extent, there's a responsibility. You don't want to horrify these children. But don't don't treat them like they're idiots. It's like, yeah, you know what? If you use some big words, uh, I'm going to probably look it up. If, if yeah. that big word shows up often enough, I'm like, all right, damn it. I can't pretend I know what that means. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I think that – Look, I did a lot of reading as a kid, but uh, what I read the most were comics. And you know, I've interviewed uh, X- uh, longtime X Men writer Chris Claremont a few times, oh, okay. and I've told him that I've definitely read more words written by him than anyone else. Wow! Uh, just because of the you know, he wrote X Men for seventeen years, <laughs> so That's and stamina, he, and he uses a lot of words. Yeah. So uh, you know, and I think that you know, you don't necessarily write down you don't you don't want to lose them by you know having you know sort of more esoteric storylines and stuff so i think that's important now is there an age group that that genesis 2 is intended for is it definitely for adults or is it maybe like eh, maybe you know middle school age kids or, or who do you think who do, who do you ideally feel like this story is for i think um
1: I, i've had people eight years old you know really like it i've sure. had teenagers like it um adults like it it, it kind of tries to... It, I'm trying to have a broad appeal to um, the audience. Uh, I would say PG is the chapters 1 through 4. And then it gets kind of PG-13 by the time you hit chapter 5. Right. And by the time you hit chapter 6, you know, it's it's pretty graphic. Okay. And I wouldn't say, you know, um, there's no nudity. But there's definitely, you know, some things about um, <clears throat> mass murders. Sure. And there's things about... Uh, You know, school shootings. So we start to get a little bit more um, into the Real reality of things as we move along to the chapters. Right. And then we go back to something warm and fuzzy in, in chapter right. seven. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: you know, unfortunately, we live in a world that's at the very best PG 13 and, you know, yes. uh, it's certainly far worse than that. So yeah. I think sometimes being able to kind of go back and forth, and if you feel like it, it serves the story, that makes sense. And I wanted to let everybody in the audience know that if they want to know more about Genesis 2, they should go to this is the way I'm going to spell it out <laughs> Genesis II comics.com. So it's 2, but the Roman numeral 2, so that's why it's Genesis II comics.com. You can and, also
1: do Genesis number 2 comics. We just got grabbed as oh, many yeah, websites. Oh, you have that one too. Can, okay, yeah. good.
0: See, that's the one that I found. <clears throat> so, right. so I like that with the number 2. Alright, okay. so yeah, So, but it, it is called uh, Genesis 2. Uh, so, uh, since we're speaking about that, I wanted to give you a little bit of a chance to basically just explain what it is and uh, we can sort of talk about the the personal aspect of what led you to it, but in terms of telling the story, what is the story, and why did you feel it was important to tell at this time?
1: Well, I wrote this. I started writing this story in about 2015, and during that time, uh, you know, ISIS or ISIL was basically conquering other countries, sure. and I think people were very afraid that you know terrorist nations will start to form, and uh, fortunately, that's not the case today. But there is this thing where I um, said, what if the world was 50% terrorist-controlled? Yeah. What if uh, global warming did actually, w- was unabated and all of a sudden ocean levels rose another 70 to 100 feet? What would the world look like then? Right. So <clears throat> I created a world based on, you know, some of the worst-case scenarios. But um, we also, there was also hope. We had, you know, I'm a Elon Musk uh, kind of a disciple, sure. or whatever. I'm, I'm, I really like his the way he's trying to evolve and change things. So he's actually in this book as well so
0: Elon Musk shows in there yeah
1: uh, and I actually Elon Musk has a copy of my book and he didn't say anything to, <laughs> <he> didn't <laughs> say. public relations people did not tell me okay you pull him out of there he paints him in a positive light
0: I think that that probably helps so that was actually going to be my next question if mm-hmm. you have to get that approved or not or so, you know, he's a public figure so I don't, I don't even know how that works uh, I
1: don't know how it works either but he has a copy and, and we, made, we put him in a
0: positive light he's, 100, yeah. he's 120 years old and he's on Mars I, I think he's probably like this is the greatest thing I've ever heard <laughs> you yeah. know He's just like he's like he's like I think I'll be 150, but I'll yeah. settle for 120.
1: Yep. He's still alive, um, so we we created a you know we had to do a little world building. Yeah. So Chris, the other guys, Christian Bose, the other artist, and I worked on it together, and we right. came up with some of the story and the art together as we worked on this, um, and. Um, the world is a crazier place. Drones are crashing into everything because yeah. now, we now the drones are coming up. And so, you know, going to have drone accidents all the time. They'll get bigger, too. So, um, my Which is things- funny,
0: by the way, just when you think about drones for a second, it's like all of the things that you know, Terminator predicted with the rise of Skynet. Drones actually wasn't one of the things that they really utilized a lot. And that's always the one, you know, you see somebody's flying their drone overhead, it's like, but what if the drone wants to fly somewhere else? You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> when it goes in for that reboot, and then it's like, hmm, I'm not interested in where you want to fly. I want to fly somewhere else. But anyway, sorry, back to what you were saying. So we came up with a new term called
1: drash, which yes. is dr- drone and trash. Okay. So if a drone crashes, it's trash. <laughs> so there's so much of that, there's all So the, the world is basically busy, confusing. Uh, there's always some act of anarchy going on because of the terrorism that's happening. Uh, so out of the out of all this craziness is uh, Daniel, who's one of the main characters, and he, he kind of represents you know this the the, the 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 calm scientist, the guy who likes to hide and doesn't want to deal with the rest of the insanity of the world. Right. And so he's one of the main he's the main character there. And then we have um, his childhood friend Lisa who is a scientist, who is also, you know, study? she wants to just create this new technology to look for missing people because in the world where it's chaos, people go missing all the time. So she's trying to create a technology that looks for missing people. The, the, the whole gist is that you can create something really good, but it can be used for nefarious other means. And so right. the, her technology, unfortunately, is also, which finds missing people, can also be used to identify all sorts of things World leaders and other people who with influence, and whoever gets it can
0: also target them and kill them. Uh, I wanted to talk about sort of you know you mentioned the artist Christian Bo, who you collaborated with on this. I wanted to sort of bring up a, an image for those watching on YouTube uh, of uh, some of the characters and sort of talk about the character design and and how it goes do you are you very specific for Christian what you want? how much of it is him thinking of these things, or is it like a purely collaborative process?
1: Um, I think it's collaborative up to a point because um it's like you know for example the eagle gorilla Yeah. We started out with a giant gorilla a parrot a dog and a cat and we just said oh, look let's just make them bigger. Right. right? And he like, said no that's not enough. And I said no no we don't need another Iago or Tim- Tinkerbell. Right. Let's just come let's just get rid of the the the, 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 the the parrot. And then Christian goes, ha, 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 why don't we just put feathers on the gorilla? And every time he hits somebody, all these feathers come off. And I'm thinking, that's, that's, that's a genius idea. idea. So yeah. <laughs> we combined uh, the eagle gorilla is all of Christian. Uh, the armadillo dog and the, the
0: porcupine cat is my idea. Right, so. Yeah. yeah. So, and uh, like I said, uh, those of you watching on YouTube, you can uh, see all of this. But uh, if not, you can always go to <laughs> Genesis2Comics.com and uh, see see more of it. So, uh, and uh, by the way, one of the things that I know is on that website, uh, you're able to download the first chapter for free. Absolutely. Which I think is a is a good approach. Uh, do you find that that's a good way to you know for look? Obviously, a lot of people watching right now certainly haven't heard of this. And do you think that that helps? sort of reel them in a little bit it's like well do you want to know more you know just the the the, the first taste is free <laughs> i think um chapter
1: 1 is one of the more, more informative chapters but it certainly isn't the most action packed one okay uh, all of a sudden you go into chapter 2 you see the giant robot on the far right then all of a sudden there's tons of action that goes right. on as a matter of fact each page is probably if you were to f- turn it into a movie it's like 15 seconds Oh wow! So okay. it's like yeah, really yeah. fast reading going through some of it. You know, while yeah. there's a lot of, and there's the giant robot which you have to have some giant robot. Yeah, I mean <laughs>
0: honestly, you know, uh, a lot of things work better with the, the bigger the robot. Yeah, they uh, the, the, strong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, my understanding is what you would order would be basically a uh, 136 page graphic novel. Is that a, a complete story? Are you expecting to tell more stories? Do you have other projects in mind? Well, we have Chapter 5 and 6 right
1: here. And we are continuing to do... Like I said, we're starting on Chapter 7. Okay. And, um, you know, uh, we're now building our universe. Okay. And we're adding characters. And um, these are more like prequels to chapter one through four oh, okay so it goes into more of the historical background and all the things that happened prior to right I'm looking four.
0: at it right now and yeah. I guess I can hold it up if, if you look uh, it actually says origins right mm-hmm. there so that is sort of circling back a little bit you know yeah. it's it's a great uh, Tarantino form of uh, storytelling where you go back <laughs> uh, so so that's what you've uh, you so you're planning on telling more of these stories there's not really like an end in sight you feel like there's a lot to do in this universe and, and build up yes and
1: i you know the story continues because we you know evil i have this weird concept about evil um is that we should try to get rid of as much of it as we can in the world Mm -hmm. um and i'm not mr puritanical you know bible thumping kind of guy i'm not that person but i do believe that we should try to be a kinder society and you know maybe you know i don't think we can eliminate war altogether but we should try to just Yeah, I mean,
0: uh, (laughs) I I think I think it's a great sentiment. I I feel like we're certainly heading in the direction away from becoming kinder, so (laughs) it's 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 nice to try and steer it as much as we can to uh, you know. I I think that uh, I think that nobody you're talking about not foreseeing drones. I think no one really foresaw what Twitter would become. You know, (laughs) So exactly, you know, just the immediacy uh, that they can do that. Uh, One of the things I wanted to circle back to your bio because this jumped up and made me laugh uh, that. Uh, after a failed attempt at becoming the first Chinese American James Bond, now is that just <laughs> something that you wanted to do, or did you actively set out to like, what do I do to become the next Chinese, I the actually, first Chinese American James Bond? I
1: actually actively went in that direction. I was yeah. pretty, I was a pretty strong guy. Okay. Cobalted, well, I vaulted. I could do twenty five one arm push ups. I said, why not be a spy?" but you know with the asian parent thing going on yeah. they preferred that i actually you know went into medicine became a healer and all the other stuff now that said i have friends who are spooks and they were you know they were sp- special forces and all these other sure, guys yeah. they were the real deal i don't i think i'm more of a lover than a fighter and yeah. I had to, you find that out later on that maybe you know some people I have nothing against our armed forces. Our armed forces are fantastic. And you have, I always say, you have psychopaths and patriots. Maybe they're combined in the same person. And they're the folks who make our Navy SEALs. They're they're our special forces guys, our rangers. They're warriors. And that's what they're trained to do. And thank God we have them. Because if we didn't have them, people would start to pick on us a lot. Yeah. So I'm all very supportive of armed forces. Um, I actually have you know still in contact with some of my friends and we uh they come i have a farm not a pot farm i have a vineyard <laughs> what's right yeah.
0: because you you live up in the bay area yeah, so you have, really need to specify yeah. that you have a farm yeah but it's not a pot farm right yeah. i have
1: a medical license so i can't sit there and just do stuff um so uh so we we go and we have a h1 hummer we drive around because that's right. a military vehicle and then except no one's shooting at us are not blown up on being blown up by mines right so i have my friends come up and we we hang out and it's nice you know
0: yeah uh and so and is that what you spend a lot of your time doing is is on the farm because i understand that you're semi-retired from the physical therapy business
1: um i wish i could spend more time up there i'm actually spending more time down here now because we're i'm delving into the film entertainment industry and learning the ropes down here sure and i met um, with a you know a very good you know very good producer, and he's breaking me in on, on starting a short film—not sci-fi, but a short film in Oakland. So I'm executive producing that. Oh, great! So I'm doing a lot of—I'm doing a lot of stuff that's developing my skills to, to becoming crossing over from this medium into another medium as well.
0: And uh, obviously the way that everything works these days, you know, the intellectual property can be so valuable. Do you see this working as uh, live-action animated TV, movies, Do you, you know, Genesis 2 I'm speaking of? Do you feel like it translates well or is it really best suited for sort of a, a, a medium like comic books? I think for now,
1: I think I'm just going to try to establish the comic book sure. realm. Um, I think – in my mind, I was thinking, oh, maybe this can become a movie. But I'm looking at some of the stuff it takes to, for it to become a movie. Yeah. There's so much CGI involved. And the minute you add CGI in something, the tap goes up immediately. The, you know, yeah. the production costs start soaring. And so um, realistically, my, I mean, my first movie might be a, a rom-com you know, right. because there's no digital. You're just you're, you're telling a story. and The acting has to be good. But this is unless is
0: Unless she falls in love with a giant robot. Look, I'm just pointing, <laughs> yeah. out, I'm just pointing you know, out I that. like that idea. You, you know I, what? We just established <laughs> you need a giant robot. So, you know, and they have feelings too. Or I guess they don't, but they could. Actually, you just gave me another story. I'll give you credit. Thank <laughs> All you, <right>. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, get a, I'll get some kind of producer credit there. Uh, one of the other things I noticed is that you have two kids. And I'm just sort of wondering, were they raised with comic books or these characters you know because for me I, so I have a four year old son his name is Felix and he knows Spider-Man really well That's from awesome. lunch boxes and, yeah. <laughs> and t-shirts and shoes yeah. and just you know some of it's stuff I bought but it's a lot of like you know people buy gifts and things and you know I want to make sure that I tread very carefully and so the, fir- the only thing I've ever shown him is I mentioned it earlier. Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends because it's from an earlier era. It's very gentle. Sure, there's, there's action, but it's like, you know, the stakes are never that high and I don't want to terrify him and I figure he's four now. I have to at least wait two years before he sees Venom. That's a, <laughs> that's a joke. I'm glad you laughed. Uh, but uh, so I'm just sort of wondering, you know, did you try and bring that stuff into your kid's life? And if so... Did you overthink it the way I clearly have? <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, Christian. Uh, as far as lessons in parenthood, uh, my kids are great. I mean, they are... I'm older. Uh, well, I'm 43, so... I'm older than you. Okay. <laughs> so my uh, my kids are actually... My daughter's 28. She's getting okay. married in two weeks. Well, and then congratulations. my Congratulations. Thank you. My son just got engaged, and he's 26. Okay. So he'll be... Um, so he'll be... Yeah, so he lives, actually, kind of indirectly with me. He's okay. in a separate unit. But... I just moved in upstairs, and he said, Dad, it's awesome. We can drink beer and watch chick flicks together. And, that's, and this is a guy I used to play Halo with all the oh, time. Oh, that's correct. So uh, did I try to introduce comic books to him early? Yes. I tried to introduce my daughter as well. But they're not they're not a chip off the old block at all. They right. have their own lives. My son actually does a lot of these. He's into the gaming, YouTube, right. generating money through no, I mean, I understand. Yeah.
0: Look, I, I mean, our show is live on YouTube right now. And there's yeah. a thing that I've only found out about in the last couple months that there's something called super chats where people who like shows will throw money at you. And I'm like, I don't know where the money goes. I don't know if it's real. <laughs> I'm just like, well, somebody just gave us $12 and I'm not, I'm not fishing for super chats right now. I'm just be- so, yeah, it's it's a whole thing that I don't really understand. Look, I know that kids older than than my kids age they like to watch other people they love to play video games but they like to watch other people play video games on YouTube not live watch recordings of them playing video, and i'm like it's, i don't i just don't get it so yeah. I, you know i'm just like well let me let me try and see if he thinks any of this is is fun you know uh, yeah. but uh, yeah so for me it's just like you know oh, when 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 can he see star wars not yet but I mean, I I saw Empire Strikes Back in the theater when I was four, so because yeah. that's that's the year it came out, and you know my parents weren't going to pay for a babysitter, so I went. But, that's awesome. You know, so it's you know it's so hard to kind of figure it out. So that's why I was uh, trying to get uh, free parenting advice, and I think what I'm taking away is you can you can try as hard as you want, they're going to just find their own stuff. Exactly. But, just stay stay out of their way,
1: right? Uh, don't get in there. I, I've I've never tried to stifle my children. I, I've given them advice only one time. I'm just going to say this one time. And then when I only say this one time, they listen. Yeah. Because they know I'm not going to say it again. Right. And and I just said, you know what? I have my own stories. Or I don't, tell them, I don't tell them what to do. I tell them my story. Right. So I go to the story, and they love my story sometimes. And it just, you know, it's real. This yeah. is what happened to me. You guys know your own situation. Maybe you can think about whether it's going to apply to you or not. But probably going, you know, 80 miles an hour, split lane splitting on a freeway, <laughs> probably, you know, might not be the way to go. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to buy life insurance on you now, so at least if you die, I'll make some money off of it. I told my son that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, uh, one thing that it brings me to that I thought was interesting from your story, and obviously you don't want to dwell on the negative, but (laughs) you talked about, uh, or at least in your bio, it references that when uh, I was on your 44th birthday, you almost died of complications from cancer. And I'm just sort of wondering what that situation does to you and how you're able to persevere and obviously come out on the other side from it
1: yeah well first of all i mean it was pretty bad i mean i had only, i probably had a 10 uh survival rate wow. after a year two but you know every then that's the thing about people who have, get diagnosed with cancer everybody is different you don't necessarily die from cancer you could die from the diagnosis literally if you just give up yeah. i've had friends who just gave up they didn't eat. They stopped eating. They right. did the chemo and they stopped eating. And then they died from malnutrition right, because right. They, this diagnosis killed them. So um, I just kept going on. I just tried to do as much, listen to my doctors, do the same thing uh, that you know that I always did before I went back to work. People said, if you go back to work, that'll kill you. And I said, no, I don't think it'll kill me not to do anything, just to sit there and wait for it right. to come. And I was just lucky it didn't spread. You know, uh, My tumor was encapsulated. I survived that. I think um that didn't was not the wake up call though the wake up call to start
0: going back to do comic books with my father dying. Yeah, so. that was what I thought was interesting because you you're even you're self enough self aware enough that you understand that that might be like okay so you if you almost die you're like oh I've always wanted to do comics but even then it wasn't it so your father passes away and what is it about comic books that, at that time, it made sense to you to, to take it up again?
1: Well, our parents are kind of like our overseers, sure. no matter what. So half of my overseers <laughs> was yeah. gone. And I said, you know, maybe I can start doing this now. Because, you know, it's like when, when people tell you what you can or cannot do, it's one thing if it's, if it's a contemporary. It's another thing if it's your parents. Because you want to please them. You still want to please your parents. And at this stage again, I might just, well, maybe I should just please myself. And I just invite everybody out there, you know, if you're, like I said, Steve Jobs was at a, uh, told, you know, I think it was a graduating class at Stanford to live your own life, not live somebody else's life. We don't know how many, we actually don't know what life we're actually living. You know, are we living our parents' lives that they want us to have or if we live our own. And this thing is, about, I want people to go and look at what they want to do and live their own life, you know, and it's hard to do, especially if you're already on a path of doing something else, Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's, uh I mean it makes sense and so is the first thing that you come up with is it is it sort of the I almost made a pun but the only way I think to say <laughs> it is the genesis of genesis 2 or did you just start doing something else and then you know was this basically the story that you were immediately inspired to or or did you sort of look around at other genres, other styles or It was about rebirth. Right. It was
1: about okay, now what? Now what are you going to do, right? the world's in a you know not in a good place. what are we going to do about it right and I think uh, you know humanity has an obligation to itself to protect the future, and I think that 's kind of happening with the global warming movement. People are saying, hey, this is actually happening, and then there 's always naysayers, but you know i don 't know i didn 't have to have air
0: conditioning uh, twenty years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah yeah you know they, yeah no no i mean it's a it's a good point yeah it's a we yeah, because if you're up in the the bay area yeah, yeah. we shouldn't I, need it yeah i mean my my sister lives in seattle and they don't have air conditioning but now they have like this one week where it's like you know 99 to 100 degrees and apparently when all these houses were built it was just you didn't need it so now it's sure. like they you know when you're here especially in the san fernando valley here in los <laughs> angeles your air conditioner has an air conditioner inside of it to keep it cold because <laughs> <laughs> it gets so hot. but yeah, and I think it's yeah, obviously I mean sure you can you can look at whatever you want about the causes of it, but it's like, well, it is getting hotter. You know, and uh, I think that when you're able to tell an entertaining story that makes you think about things, I think that, you know, nobody wants to be preached to by TV, movies, comics or anything. But when you can incorporate it in there and tell an important story and it comes across that it's important to you, uh, I think that's the great way to do it. And, of course, what we're talking about is Genesis 2, which can be found at Genesis The number two, comics.com. Thank you. That's much better than the (laughs) I.I. But look, if you like Roman numerals, if we have someone watching in Ancient Rome, you can also find it that way. Um, Well, uh, Alan, I want to spend a a couple minutes talking about something that I I went to the other night, but I really appreciate you being here, and uh, people can uh, interact with you on the website, and I know that there's also a, a Twitter for it. I think it's Genesis Number Two Comic Singular. That's what I think it is. For, for those of you on Twitter, I, I looked it up earlier, so that's why I have it in the top of my head. And if I'm going to guess, the reason it doesn't have an S on the end is because you can only have so many characters. <laughs> Something like <laughs> that. Probably yeah. <laughs> what it is. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, Alan, just uh, stick around because uh, sure. you know this is a couple of things that... Uh, I talked a little bit about this earlier on Marvel Movie News, one of the shows I do over on the Popcorn Talk Network. And Tuesday night, I went to a screening of Avengers Endgame and screenwriters Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely spoke afterwards. And uh, there were a couple things that they talked about that I hadn't ever heard before. And again, if you watched Marvel... Marvel Movie News you saw me talk about this they talked very extensively about the relationship between Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter and you know Alan if you haven't seen Endgame I'm about to give you some spoilers alright good so uh, there's been a lot of speculation on shows just like this one about like at the end when Steve goes back in time and he gets that last dance well when is that and these, these screenwriters felt very strongly they're like well he went to 1948 because they stand by the integrity of the Agent Carter TV show which I think a lot of people who are watching marvel tv weekly we get very we're very vested in the idea that the tv shows count too and there are a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of indications that agents of shield is not necessarily canon for the which drives those of us who love the show crazy but at least to the screenwriters are like no we want that to make sense so i love that and i actually asked christopher marcus a very specific question about that big fight sequence at the end of endgame They had talked about all these different versions of the, the screenplay that they had. And I was like, in any of them, did Doctor Strange open one of those portals and the Defenders from Netflix came out? And he's like, oh, we thought about it. And I'm like, well, that's a good enough answer right there. I like that they thought about it. But then he explained why they didn't do it. It's sort of like a logistical, like TV schedules. But I liked his answer, which was... He didn't think it was fair, he and his his co-writer, both Marcus and McFeely, didn't think it was fair to the creators of those shows to tell them, Here's what's going to happen to your characters at some point. They're going to they're going to basically get snapped away by Thanos and then come back five years later. So ultimately, I think that it's probably you know logistics of the actors and all of that. But I like the idea that you know you're at least respecting the other creators and not like, well, we're the movies. We'll do whatever we want. We'll <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get those actors uh, on set anytime we want to. Uh, and then uh, a, a very fascinating thing that they talked about was. There was a sequence that they actually had planned for Infinity War where that took place in the mind space. And Bruce Banner faced off against the Hulk in the same arena from Ragnarok. And ultimately, you were going to get Smart Hulk at the end of Infinity War. And they went so far as to having to reshoot the beginning sequences for Endgame because they filmed it with Mark Ruffalo as Smart Hulk. And they thought it worked much better for the character to kind of give him this arc where that happens later. And uh, I can't imagine what it costs to reshoot a movie like Avengers Endgame, even you know five minutes of it. You know, you talked about CGI and what that does to budgets. Well, it's like, well, you spend all the money to, to get ready for Smart Hulk, and you're like, no, we gotta have we gotta Banner in the armor. Ten million dollars a minute. And, <laughs> I, you know what? That doesn't that doesn't yeah. surprise me at all. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I didn't get a chance to talk about on Marvel Movie News that I thought was interesting is Marcus and McFeely said they thought really long and hard about killing Black Widow, specifically because she's the first lady of the Marvel Universe. They felt, this is what they said, they felt it was very important because she was a former villain who was really looking for redemption for her. That was something she could give. It was a conclusion of her arc. And there's a logistical thing where you you had to have Natasha and Clint as the ones there On uh, Vormir, and the, because they had to, you had to love each other in some way. So you couldn't put Rocket Raccoon and Hulk there. And I'm like, (laughs) hey, how dare you assume that they could never fall in love? You know, this is 2019. That could Sorry, happen. That really... That's all right. I was going for something. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to almost kill you with that. But uh, they they were specifically asked by the moderator if there was a version of the script where Natasha didn't die, and they said yes. They considered having Hawkeye do it, mm. and they talked to a lot of people and. Overwhelmingly, it was it was the women they talked to, the women on the crew, and just at the studio. They hated the idea that Hawkeye would basically take that away from her. The fact that she wanted to do that, and I, you know, look, the Avengers were her family. Clint, all the terrible things he does as Ronan that we just get hinted at, he still has his family to go back to, and I think that I just can only imagine how bad she would feel. Like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm still here. Uh, but obviously, being this primary female character, I understand. They, they know it's a very controversial moment in the movie and that it's been written about. Uh, and I don't know. They didn't say this, but maybe it, it'll make it up that she's going to get a movie, even though it's set before that. Um, one other thing was that I referenced the big fight scene at the end. And this was a question from someone else, but the actors were all actually there on the set. And I think a lot of us would just think like, all right, yeah, you film Chris Pratt this day and Robert Downey Jr. that day. It's like, no, they were all there, but they didn't actually utilize it as well. They regret not doing more with it. They didn't give them any dialogue. You had everybody on the soundstage in Atlanta and it's a cool shot and they didn't actually do anything with it. So I thought that was funny, because I just, I would never have thought to ask, because I'm like, well, they weren't all there. Like, yeah. why would they, how would you get all of these people who have their own movie franchises <laughs> and other things, you know, to uh, actually get there? Uh, and then, just a final little thought before we wrap up, was, uh, they they both gave some of their favorite lines from uh, Endgame, and uh, Steven said that he had two, Captain America saying Hell Hydra, And the other is Sam saying on your left when the uh, portals start to appear, which if you've watched this show in Marvel movie news, you know that I was very emotional at that moment and it really got me. And uh, Marcus said something that's uh, obviously it's a it's a very poignant moment that unfortunately doesn't go the Avengers way. It's when Cap says. This, this is when they go to kill Thanos, and they said, this is going to work. I know it's going to work, because I don't know what I'll do if it doesn't. But, mm-hmm. of course, it doesn't work. <laughs> so then there's five more years of living in that moment. Anyway, uh, I uh, really enjoyed the conversation, and I just expected that these guys have talked so much about Endgame. There's been so much coverage of it. I didn't think that I was going to get things I'd never heard of before. And that idea of having Smart Hulk emerge at the end of Infinity War, I think really muddies the story. But, man, it would have been cool to see, you know. So, uh, anyway, uh, we will uh, we will uh, hopefully have more insights like that. You know, it's... Uh, gearing up towards award seasons. And uh, I think that, uh, that this was kind of the first shot at that. So, you know, that's what happens when you're down here in Los Angeles, Alan, is that there's a lot of... You know, you get to go to things that everyone will be really nice to you because they're like, "Is this person a voter? I don't know. Let me answer <laughs> the questions." You know, yeah. I, I I talked to Spike Jones at a at a screening of her wow. at, because it was for the it was for the DGA, and he didn't know who I was. <laughs> so he was really. I bet he's a nice guy anyway. But uh, I don't know. So you get to have that kind of access. So when we get more of that, we'll mention that on this show and of course on Marvel movie news. But once again, uh, my guest has been Alan Lang, and I do really appreciate you taking <laughs> the you. time. And again, I'll direct everyone to uh, Genesis2Comics.com to uh, find out more. And uh, I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you very much, Christian. We'll be at WonderCon uh, okay. next year, as well as Comic-Con again Right, in you were at Comic-Con
0: uh, this past right, last year. last couple of years, yeah. And how does that work? I, I know we're out of time, but, the, but that just made me think. How does that work when you're going out there like, I know you've never heard of this. Do you just... Just have conversations with people and, you know, you just try and get them interested. Yeah, the only
1: analogy I can say, it's like um, a music artist. I mean, that's our live show. Right. And everything else is recording. This is our recordings and that's our live show.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, uh, do you feel like those conversations, let's put put it a different way, do you feel like it was worth the trip to to comic con to at least try and build the awareness for the project it is and different you know last year, every year is different yeah. some people just they love it and then other times they're just
1: running through the place it's yeah. a, it's it's really different I'm, we're, we're going to be at WonderCon. we have a four hundred square foot booth that okay, okay. next year, and we're really going to try to you know make some new fans and impress people about what we're doing next. So Great. Okay.
0: Yeah, well, we'll uh, keep an eye on it, and uh, I've told you all the places you can do that. Uh, we are out of time, but you can stay in touch with me on Twitter and Instagram, at Christian DMZ. And as I mentioned, don't forget, Thursdays at 1 Pacific, Marvel Movie News over on the Popcorn Talk Net- Network. We'll be back next week, not necessarily at this time, so like <laughs> I said, follow me on Twitter at Christian DMZ, and I'll make sure to let you know when you can find our episode. Uh, thanks again to uh, to Alan Ling and everyone in the thank chat. You. We'll see you soon. As Stan Lee would say, Excelsior! <laughs>